0: Hey there, everybody. Welcome back another episode of Redeemed Through His Blood. My name's Scott Durfee. want to be the first to welcome you today. And I'm joined, like I always am, by my partner in this project. Thank uh,
1: you, Scott. David Durfee. What's up, Dave? Maybe when this podcast comes out, you might be in Israel.
0: I think I will. I think, actually, um, this will come out in will March. You, how do yeah.
1: you release this if you're in Israel?
0: I, I have a magic.
1: Okay. Yeah, you... yeah. yeah everyone should know everyone <laughs> should know that Scott is really the the mastermind behind the behind this podcast. I just show up and get to talk about yeah. Jesus and the gospel and Scott does all the work and I'm so grateful for that Scott, but I'm really excited that you're going to be in Israel. Soon. Yeah, we're um, looking forward to that. Uh, have those experiences and come home and share them with me and the listeners.
0: Right. I'll get to see the stuff that I've heard you talk about
1: mm-hmm. that
0: you've seen. And uh, I, I remember when Life you went, changing. I remember well, at least one time, I don't know how many times you've been, but I remember one time when you went, you came home and you had a slideshow that was back in the days yeah. of oh, slideshows.
1: I took, I think I took like 400 <laughs> pictures Yeah, and, you know, it turned them all into slides, which is kind of expensive. Yeah. And I still have, I still have those. And I, I, th- I thought I got to go to the family history center.
0: <laughs> what do you do with those today? And right? turn
1: those slides into, you know, put them on a thumb drive or something. Yeah. Uh, well. So I can have those.
0: I know you've been doing that with your family, your your Super 8 yeah, videos, my, my videos or whatever like that. Yeah, and,
1: that's been yeah. really sweet. i
0: putting them on really digital, okay. digitizing those. That's kind of a nice service that the church offers. I'm grateful for that Amazing. as well, even though we haven't taken advantage of it
1: yet. Amazing. It takes but, time. It's kind yeah. of a slow process. It's yeah. not easy.
0: Yeah, I ran into one of your kids the other day at the basketball game, and uh, I can't remember how it got brought up, but... Aubrey said uh, he's either at Costco or at the uh, family history.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that. that's I fun. I love spending time at both those. Yeah, me too. That's fun.
0: <laughs> hey, welcome, everybody. Uh, we, we really appreciate those of you who have responded to our invitation, and I'm going to extend it yet again. We would love to hear your experiences around the things that we talk about here. We, we've we done several wonderful uh, episodes that uh, were interviews, and we know that so many of you have very similar experiences and stories. And sometimes those stories just need to be shared. Um, and you know, and I'm, I don't mean that we're going to share them here, but I uh, would we would love it if you would share those with us. And we would even, maybe, if with your permission, love to take pieces of that. Uh, if you're okay with us using your name and doing so, then let us know. If you would rather we didn't, let us know that as well. Uh, in fact, if you would rather we didn't share any of your experience that uh, you may feel inclined to share with us on the air, then we won't do that either. But we would just definitely love to uh, hear or read about your experiences around the things that we talk about here that can that can just help us so much and help each other so much. Oh, well, for sure. And fellowshipping even around this, right, Dave?
1: Oh, uh, and you know, Scott, it's amazing, I think, in and out of the church, how many how many people are blessed by a relationship with Jesus Yep, and uh, how involved he is in individuals' lives. I, I remember when I was a bishop many years ago, Scott, in Minnesota, and there was a sister in our ward whose husband had left her, forsaken her, and left her with two kids, and they were really challenging kids, high energy, um, it's, it's kind of special needs children, really. Uh, and, wow, I my heart was just so broken for her, and so I was so touched. And I remember telling our elders scorn president, uh, or our, in those days a high priest group leader, that I wanted to be assigned to be her home teacher. So... I was the bishop assigned to be her home teacher because I wanted to just minister to her personally and knew that she was just in so much need. And I wanted to help any way I could. and, And I thought it would also be good for my sons to go with me to minister to her. She lived in a little dingy apartment in a poor area. And anyway, so i i would go visit her- uh, monthly and we would go in her little uh, dingy sometimes smelly apartment and we would sit down with this sweet sister who I loved and children running around and you know and me trying to engage with them and play with them and some my i think my son's sitting there a little bit shell shocked um, and anyway one day i asked her i said susan really how are you doing how are you doing i need to know your needs and how you're doing and she said oh bishop i'm i'm doing fine i'm doing fine i said what what do you mean you're doing fine susan what what does that mean she says bishop i know i have angels administering to me. In fact, she said, I was at work the other day and I felt a presence by me and I knew that he was with me. And I said, who's he, Susan? And she said, Jesus. I knew Jesus was there with me. Oh, Scott, I remember thinking, who in the heck do I think I am? Right. She doesn't need me. She's got Jesus. I mean, uh, Scott, it wasn't, it was, I mean, I felt the spirit of what she was telling me. It wasn't just that she was imagining it. No. I knew when she told me that, out of the sincerity and faith of her heart, that she was telling me something that she, she had experienced, and I knew it was true. It was her witness. And I remember thinking, oh, man, I was so humbled. Just so humbled, thinking, wow, <laughs> she's got Jesus administering to her. I, I know that, I know that's true, Scott. Again, for people in and out of the church, uh, Jesus is doing his work. It's his work. It's his work. And sometimes we are his hands, sometimes we're his arms, his legs, his feet, and sometimes his voice. If, if he, through the Holy Ghost, inspires us, but he himself is engaged in the work and ministering to others, and uh, I've I've never forgotten that, or how I felt that day in that little dingy yeah. apartment. Yeah,
0: I I got a, uh, a not a text message, but. <clears throat> On Facebook, you know, you can send messages or whatever on a messenger or whatever. And I got a, a text the other day from just a, a gal that Deb and I absolutely fell in love with in our institute class, one of our first semesters. And she just she kept coming for like two years straight. She would come every semester, and and she was going through some really difficult things. She was from a different part of the country, um, not in not from Utah, which most of them actually are not from Utah, which is wonderful. And she, she just wanted Deb and I to know. She just wanted us to know that she has developed a relationship with Jesus mm. that has helped her put away so many difficult things from her past. That uh, really were were kind of ruining her life. They were yeah. crippling, you know. And many of us have that opportunity or have words to p- to go with those pictures, right? Or pictures to go with those words, as it were. That you know, when we talk about emotional or or, or challenges or things that have been perp- perpetrated against us, or mm-hmm. or even as a result of sin, sometimes that we just feel sometimes so spiritually crippled. Uh, that our growth is stunted, we're not moving in. Paralyzed. Yeah, paralyzed. There
1: you Spiritual go. Spiritual paralysis.
0: Very much. And, and she was just so grateful to let us know that because of her relationship and her what she called friendship with Jesus now, uh, that her life was mm-hmm. just... And, and she said, it's not perfect. My life's not perfect. There's still a lot of things in my yeah, life that I wish were be. different. Exactly. But she did say... But because of my friendship, because of my newfound friend mm. in Jesus Christ, I I'm oh, able sweet. to I'm, I'm I'm able to face whatever I'm asked to face in life. And oh, sweet man, that that just, we wept. You know, we read that we were just mm. so grateful for uh, the blessings that come because of that.
1: So many examples of that throughout yeah. church history. Yeah, I study a lot of church history, as you know, and so many examples of the Savior ministering to individuals and. In their their hour of need and church history stories and i'm sure that could be shared in all christian churches
0: well actually too you know and we we try to extend an invitation every week um and i'm just i've just come up with an invitation all of a sudden already and you know and maybe that's something that we should all be reflecting on maybe we should all be looking at our lives and keep a Journal where we're talking about or where we recognize or where we're keeping track or 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 giving um words to the experiences that we're having like your friend did, yeah, you know in Minnesota, yeah. if that was written well, down we... and 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 the spirit was given opportunity to bear witness through the writings of that to maybe a future generation or maybe a friend mm. or 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 maybe back to me. In my own
1: yeah. forgetfulness, right? We should all be having seeking. Yeah, we should all be seeking Jesus. Yeah, and we those all be experiences. seeking His face. We've all been been told, right? Doctrine and covenants. Uh, I think it's section ninety three. Is it section ninety three, Scott? First verse that we should all be. And uh, Moroni, Moroni tells us seek this Jesus, of whom I have testified. We should all be seeking Jesus and building a stronger relationship with him. And, and you're right, it would be so awesome to identify uh, when we have experiences with him, which I think would be more frequent than we would even right now believe if we became more sensitized and uh, aware and more mindful of it. I've always loved verse 93. Verily, thus saith the Lord, this verse 1, section 93... Verily, thus saith the Lord, it shall come to pass that every soul who forsaketh his sins and cometh unto me, calleth on my name, and obeyeth my voice, and keepeth my commandments, shall see my face, and know that I am. It's one of the great promises in, in all the scriptures, Scott. Yeah. Uh, we've been invited to seek his face. To, to come to know him, I would, I have not seen him face to face, but I've had some experiences where I knew he was present. I have certainly felt his hand and influence in my life, it's definitely felt his spirit. I've heard his words speak to me through the Holy Ghost, and uh, I've, I've, there's been a few dreams. I've dreamed a dream and or or had a vision of uh, of Jesus and felt his love and meekness and humility. So hope that we all will. And I think maybe really studying, deeply studying uh, his sacrifice, his his atoning, redeeming sacrifice. Scott really helps us to feel that connection and really have a relationship with him. And so maybe we can kind of try to get down the road and go a little further here on the events. I've always loved this description of the atonement of Jesus Christ by James E. Talmage in Jesus the Christ. He writes, "Uh, Christ's agony in the Garden of Gethsemane is unfathomable by the finite mind, both as to intensity and cause. He struggled and groaned under a burden such as no other being who has lived on earth might even conceive as possible. It was not physical pain nor mental anguish alone that caused him to suffer such torture as to produce an extrusion of blood from every pore, but a spiritual agony of soul such as only God was capable of experiencing. No other man, however great his powers of physical or mental endurance, could have suffered so. And then, in another quote from uh, uh, Elder Talmadge, he goes on and he says, On the cross, it seems that in addition to the fearful suffering incident to crucifixion, the agony of Gethsemane had recurred, intensified. Let me repeat that. On the cross, the agony of Gethsemane had recurred, intensified, beyond human power to endure. In the bitterest hour, this is on the cross, in the bitterest hour, the dying Christ was alone, alone in most terrible reality that the supreme sacrifice of the Son might be consummated in all of its fullness, the Father seems to have withdrawn the support of His immediate presence, leaving to the Savior of men the glory of complete victory over the forces of sin and death." (laughs) That's, that's, uh, that's quite a statement, and uh, actually Elder McConkie quotes that as well in The Mortal Messiah. And again, I think we read a quote last week from President Nelson talking about how Gethsemane re- reoccurred on the cross. So again, I suggested, proposed last podcast that we consider Gethsemane as not being completed in the garden Gethsemane is not just a place. Gethsemane is the press, the press, and and all of our sins and all of our sufferings, all of our sorrows, uh, all of all of our sicknesses were pressed upon him, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, both in Gethsemane, and then for hours after that. Culminating the last three hours, especially the bitterest hours, the last three on the cross. So, I I hope our listeners will will come to a better understanding of that. And last week, in speaking of Gethsemane, uh, Scott and the events, and let's let's just remind uh, review here. There are. Four major events or we could maybe say requirements that Jesus Christ had to complete or go through, fulfill in order to carry out what we call the atonement of Jesus Christ. One is a sinless life. We talked about that. And in spite of all of the temptations, which would have caused him great suffering, uh, really, I just, he suffered every temptation that's in the scriptures. Um, to have a sinless being feel all of the temptations of lust and pride and all of the temptations of man to a greater extent than any of us will ever experience it. Number one, a sinless life, and then to go into Gethsemane, on Thursday night, the last week, this this was this was Passover. We'll review this on Easter, but and then on Friday morning, the cross and what happens on the cross. Um, so, Gethsemane is two. The cross and crucifixion is three, and four is his death, physical death and resurrection. Those those are the four what we call events of the atonement of Jesus Christ. So Matthew 26, Scott. Got it. If you want to read uh, Matthew 26 and maybe give a little uh, thought and feeling about verses 36 through 39, if our readers would like to follow along, Matthew 26, 36 through 39.
0: Then cometh Jesus unto them unto a place called Gethsemane, And he saith unto his disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and they began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Uh, you know, the emotions when I when I hear this and think about so much goes on. I mean, I, I almost can see this taking place as he comes into the garden called Gethsemane. Now, we know... That me, that Gethsemane, right, means the place of the olive press, right, Dave? and so Oops, the oil y- press. The oil press. And so we, we, we understand the connotations and stuff that come here. But he says to his disciples, sit ye here while I go and pray. And then he takes with him the sons of Je- Zebedee, James and John, right? Mm-hmm. And he began to and, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. And so you can just if you can just picture with me this event, you know, in the evening taking place. Um, he's heavy. You can imagine the, the feeling that's coming around last week. You you were talking about this and you even said, I'm, I'm even feeling. Melancholy, I think you said, just thinking about or just mm-hmm. talking about these things, and so that you know yeah. that must have been happening there. Then he said unto them, "My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death." Tarry here and watch with me. What if you were James and John?
1: In in the uh, Gospel of Mark, in the Joseph Smith translation, it talks about what they were feeling. Yeah, and they were feeling the yeah. same thing. Yeah, but I'm sure Jesus even to a greater extent.
0: Well, and then he goes a little further. And he falls on his face. You know, oftentimes... That's, that's
1: w- the phrase that gets
0: me. Me too, because so many, so often, you know, we when we talk about it, I don't know how this comes up, but I think because of the art that we see about the Garden of Gethsemane and so on, but I've always just thought of Jesus just... Walking up, you know, maybe maybe kneeling down, maybe brushing things away that would have impeded his comfort, you know, to kneel down by a a rock or a bush or whatever. But no, he fell on his face. He fell on his face and he prayed. And he he must have known. He did know. I mean, and he was beginning to feel it. Oh, my father. Oh, father, please. You know, I... I, I, uh, I know what's co- get what's coming here but if it's possible can you just take this away from from me but but nevertheless nevertheless not my will but your will I remember I remember or I'm having a remembering of our counsel in heaven. I'm remembering the things that we talked about. I'm remembering that for the effects of the fall of Adam and Eve, this has been put into place. I already know the doctrine Jesus must have been thinking that's taught in Second Nephi 9, 7 through 9, where if he didn't go through it that we'd all go back to our original state and that our our, our spirits would become subject to the devil. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so I I mean, just that alone, just that weight alone would have been enough to do any mortal in, David. Yeah,
1: yeah I, he fell on his face. So I, I have a favorite picture, that, and I don't even know who the artist is. I don't even know if anyone knows of an angel administering to Jesus, and he's completely laid out, completely laid out in agony, and an angel uh, trying to administer to him. And um, I just, I just uh, think it's, it's different when you see him falling on his face that it's so heavy, and he hasn't even yet begun to bleed from every pore. So I, I love the description that Matthew gives us, and Mark gives us uh, the, the Gospel of Mark, Scott, in uh, Mark chapter 14, verses... Uh, 32 through
0: 36. And they came to a place which is named Gethsemane. And he saith to his disciples, sit ye here while I shall pray. And he taketh with him Peter and James and John, and began to be sore
1: amazed, and to be very heavy. Now now in the JST, it says that his disciples were sore amazed, and began to be very heavy. So they were they were feeling it too. No doubt being with the Savior, observing him, knowing what he was feeling, they began to feel it as well. So continue there. And he
0: saith unto them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. Carry ye here and watch. And he went forward a little and fell on the ground and prayed. There it is again, though, fell on the yep, ground. And prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from. And he said, Abba. Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt.
1: Uh, we can all hear, I think, Elder Holland's voice talking about Abba, yeah, which means daddy. It's the most intimate form uh, for daddy. Abba, Father, daddy if it be possible all things all things are possible unto thee take away this cup from me nevertheless not what i will but what thou wilt i i don't know the humility and meekness of jesus are, i think are and his love for the father his desire to be obedient to the father i think are maybe his most uh, significant and powerful characteristics that uh, we should all we should all seek so I, th- I think uh, Matthew and Mark give us kind of a, a different sort of picture uh, of Gethsemane than sometimes what we what we see in the, some of the great artwork that's been done trying to portray Jesus in, uh, in Gethsemane. And uh, I think it's also uh, interesting that in uh, the writings of Isaiah, as quoted by Abinadi in uh, Mosiah chapter 14, we actually, I think, read this last week about him being bruised for our iniquities. Uh, and we read the verse, I think, is it verse 10, Scott? In, in will uh, turn there real quick if readers want to review this with us. Mosiah chapter 14. Uh, this is uh, Abinadi actually quoting Isaiah 53. But verse 10 reads, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief." When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. Now it's it's an interesting idea. I don't I don't I don't know about this, but it's an interesting idea to, to contemplate. Did Jesus see all of those who would take advantage? I mean, I think his seed are those who would be spiritually born again. Did he see what the the transforming blessings and the miracles that would occur in his seed as a result of his atonement did he get a a glimpse of that in in that moment did time stop and stand still and did he see the the minions of people who would uh, participate through repentance and uh, receive the blessings and which would include even all the all the consequences that he had suffered for, and uh, Elder Merrill J. Bateman in General Conference years ago said, "I'm quoting: In the Garden and on the Cross, Jesus saw each of us, and not only bore our sins, but also experienced our deepest feelings." so he would know how to comfort and strengthen us that's
0: even our deepest feelings
1: he did he see all of that yeah did he see you did he see me did he see what he was ransoming and paying for suffering for and what we were suffering as a result of our sins and sicknesses and the fall of all, did he did he see us in those moments uh, he was suffering and know what he was, and maybe that was partly what brought him the joy that President Nelson says, quoting Hebrews, right? Yep. Quoting Hebrews when when you contemplate, how did he do it? Well, that's that's an incomprehensible uh, question to answer. Is how did he do it? So President Nelson Scott, you know, says, quoting Hebrews chapter twelve, verse two. Uh, he he quoted this in General Conference, and said, "This is how, can you believe this is how Jesus fulfilled the atonement, His atonement, looking unto Jesus, the Author and Finisher of our faith." Love that title, who for the joy that was set before Him. Endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Well, I, I love that, but I think that joy that was set before him was seeing all of those who would be blessed by his atoning sacrifice and suffering. I think he saw it with an eye of faith, I think God allowed him to see it, see us, his seed, and the blessings that would flow into our lives and so many millions and millions of others because of his willingness to suffer, bleed and die for us. Yeah
0: there's a part of this translation too that might've meant not just for the joy that was set before him, but, but also be, he did it because of the joy that was set before us too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The the joy it brought us. Right.
0: Yeah. Sure. Which, you know, which, which is obviously, and you know, heavenly father um, says it, you know, it's my work and my glory to bring to pass the eternal life of man. Uh, and how does that go to bring to pass the,
1: Immortality, immortality, eternal and
0: the eternal life of men. Right. Yeah, and so you know to have that, I I think that you know that was maybe even part of his joy, Dave, is to see our our healing, our redemption from all things. I
1: think it was. Yeah. So when it says that he saw his seed, I think that's the that's what brought him the great joy, yeah. and gave him the 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 power to some extent uh, to be able to carry out uh, his his atoning sacrifice, Scott. Both again, thinking of Gethsemane is not just a place or a garden, but thinking of Gethsemane as the press and having all of the sorrows, all of the sins, all of the sicknesses, all of the troubles, all of the afflictions, all of the negatives. Think of this, Scott. All of the negatives. Of the fall of Adam and Eve. Yeah. Were, yeah. Were pressed upon him. Yeah.
0: And, and we think of that as sin, which, enough, that, that alone would be more than a, a mortal being could even begin to comprehend. But that's not what we're talking about. Yeah. We're talking about every effect of the fall.
1: Uh, you and I could not even endure <laughs> pain for our own sins. I, I yeah.
0: I, I don't endure pain well anyway.
1: You, we couldn't even live. And suffer for our right. own sins to fulfill yeah, the demands right. of justice, yep. and yet He did that for all, of all, of Father's children. Yep. So it's in—it really is uh, incomprehensible. I—I've always loved—I don't know—I—I I love the sacrament hymns, Scott. I really love the sacrament hymns, but I've always loved this—this this hymn. There is a green hill far away. Speaking about the Golgotha and the the cross, which again I hope that our listeners will 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 have a little more appreciation and gratitude and understanding for what happens on the cross, that Gethsemane reoccurs on the cross, intensified. This the cross, the last three hours. Though that was his bitterest. Moment in the entire atoning sacrifice which he carried out, and i I hope that we can all appreciate that to a greater extent than I think sometimes we do in the church. but um, I just want to read this this beautiful hymn, the text by Cecil Francis Alexander. There is a green hill far away without a city wall where the dear Lord was crucified, who died to save us all. We may not know, we cannot tell, what pains he had to bear. But we believe it was for us he hung and suffered there. There was no other good enough to pay the price of sin. He only, only he, could unlock the gate of heaven and let us in. Oh, dearly, dearly has he loved, and we must love him too, and trust in his redeeming blood and try his works to do. I I just love this, this sweet hymn and poem put to music. Because I, I think it's kind of the culmination of the, uh, the suffering of Christ and the effect that it should that it should have on us when we understand what he suffered for us. So we've talked about Gethsemane, not again just as a place, but as a condition. This, uh, all the sins and suffering pressed upon him. Um, at three o'clock. At three o'clock, uh, I I don't I know we don't have a perfect chronology of these events, Scott. And some put the the renting of the veil. The veil was rent. Now the, the veil in the temple was a heavy, thick curtain that separated the holy of holies from the from the rest of the temple. When Christ called out, I believe that was that was rent, when he cried out, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? And I believe that that's when the earthquake take, took place. Some do not believe the earthquake quake w- took place until maybe after Jesus had died. I, again, we don't know the events. I kind of like to think of it as being in, within that three hour of time between 12 noon and 3 p.m. on Friday. But But nevertheless, as we said last week, all of Mother Earth and all of the rocks and plants and all of heaven and earth were, mo- were moaning. I, I think, uh, where were you, Scott? Where was I when Jesus was doing this? Did we get a glimpse? Were we able to, to get a glimpse even in our premortal state as he was actually carrying out these events that we had exercised faith in since our pre-mortal existence uh, since we were created as spirits we knew that he would do this this event were we able to get a glimpse of it i think that's again what isaiah is actually t- talking about a little bit that in uh, isaiah 53 that that we we viewed him but we esteemed him not uh, we didn't fully understand or appreciate it Uh, uh, it's, it's, it's hard to know, you know, um, but I know, Scott, that it happened. The important thing is that we know that it happened and that he did all of that, uh, just for me and that you and our listeners feel like it was individual and again, intimate, not just infinite. <clears throat> well,
0: and I think that's 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 a really important thing for us to build a relationship with is that intimate component or that in, intimate part of the atonement of Jesus Christ. How is it intimate to me? And is it because you know just because um, we say that it's intimate, that does that does mean that it's covered us, and that does mean that every one of us uh, and and personally and for our unique and individual trials, but. You know, that intimacy really has to be reciprocated in order for us to partake mm-hmm. uh, of the blessings of the uh, atonement of Jesus Christ. And and we also know that that's, that takes a great deal of effort on our part. And this goes back to, you know, we talk about... In the beginning of our podcast we talk about some important principles getting to knowing who we are knowing whose we are we talk about the uh, pre-existence and the role of the atonement of jesus christ in the pre-existence we talk about the fall and we've done a lot of that lately but it's important for us to not just recognize the effort that jesus went through and, and recognize his efforts not just in the garden but throughout his entire life but culminating in the garden of gethsemane and on the cross and because of his death and resurrection culminating all there this intimacy this intimate re- uh, this intimate atonement part of this requires work on our part, too. We need to know him. We need to spend time with him. We need to, with our very best effort, every time we approach the sacrament table, do so with a repentant heart and, and an eye single to his glory and only wanting for one thing, and that's to have him in his fullness in our life.
1: We need to appreciate it, Scott. We need to be grateful for it. We need to, to study it. To yeah. seek to better understand it to see our our place and our role in it and what he did for us yeah. and to understand the demands of justice and the relationship between justice and mercy and how it works and and i'm i'm so anxious for us to get into the uh, what it means to repent and how repentance works and how we can access the atonement of Jesus Christ but, but if we'll just appreciate it, and I, I keep going back to this scripture in Doctrine and Covenants, right? Section 6, uh, look unto me in every thought, doubt not, fear not. And then he says in the next verse, behold the wounds which pierced my side and the prints of the nails in my hands and feet. It's so um, impressive to me, it, this really gets my attention, Scott, that he, when he says, come unto me, when he says, look unto me, it's not him in heaven that he wants us to see. Right. He, uh, Elder Holland says, this is Elder Holland's words, we worship the suffering Christ. Now, I know the ultimate symbol of our faith, according to President Hinckley, is not the cross that's not our our, our symbol our symbol is the living Christ I absolutely amen, but it's the suffering christ the the whose the wounds in his side and the prints of the nails in his hands and feet and and we're going to talk about this soon uh, today as we talk about the resurrection that's what we should think of when we partake of the sacrament every Sunday we we take that little piece of bread torn torn broken bread representing his torn broken flesh and we take that little cup of water representing his blood from every pore so great was the anguish for the sins of his people, Mosiah 3.7. And that's what we should think of. I know it's so easy to be distracted, not just daily in, our, in the world that we live in, but even in in sacrament meeting. It's so easy to be distracted, even yeah. in sacrament meeting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's hard to even think <laughs> about these things in sacrament meeting, if we're if we're not really focused on it, appreciating it, feel feel the the necessary gratitude that that he expects us to feel and to really worship him as he expects us to worship him.
0: A couple of weeks ago, in our institute class that Deb and I teach, um, we were talking about these things, and we were talking about how important. Uh, It is that our worship at the, during the sacrament is, you know, in line with the things that we're talking about. You know, we, we, we've also said, David, that when Jesus in Matthew 11 says, come unto me. All you that labor labor and are heavy laden—that's where he's asking us to come—is to the garden, right? And we were talking about this
1: garden, the foot of the cross.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so we were we were talking about this, and we talked. You know, you mentioned getting distracted even in sacrament meeting. Well, one of the young men, and a great young man, um, that comes to our institute class, he has a calling in his ward and his YSA ward, and one of the one of his responsibilities is to. Find those that should be there and find out why they're not, <laughs> and you know, it, which is a great thing. And he asked me specifically. He says, "But, but I have this job and, and this responsibility, and my responsibility is is I I, I get started looking th- across the entire congregation looking for these people, and I'm not done by the time the sacraments passed. So, what should I do about my job? about my callings, what he said. What a sweet, what a sweet, sweet devoted question, right? But I think that's, I think that, I think that can happen. I think even in our own busyness that we can get distracted from going to the garden, going to the foot of the cross and going to the resurrection, uh, especially, uh, you know, as we're invited to do so at the sacrament. I think that's something we do need to be, be careful of.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Scott. Yeah. Thank you. Well, so, on the cross, at uh, at three p.m., it, uh, the scriptures record his last statement. He makes seven statements in the uh, six hours that he hangs on the cross. Scott, he, it's recorded that he makes seven statements. That's a that's an interesting study. I invite all of us to make that study, especially during Easter week or on Easter Sunday. What were the seven statements that Jesus made? Seven being, I think, significant number. Anyway, his last statement is, It is finished. Into thy hands I commend my spirit. And it's recorded that he gave up the ghost. Well, um, his death the death of a god scott who nothing had the power to take his life only he could volunteer to lay it down that was his choice that was his uh, that was within his power as a god and yet fully human to fill the separation and there would have been some agony in that scott There would have been some agony. I think that being human, being mortal, that it's been uh, well documented of how the spirit wants to hang on to the body and how even the the most faithful individuals, um, death is not easy. The body leaving the spirit. We can only have a... We know... Of fullness of joy, when the body and the spirit are reunited. But Jesus again, as part of his sacrifice, sacrifices and lays lays down his mortal, yet immortal body, and goes as a spirit into the uh, into the spirit world. So death occurs 3 p.m. on Friday of Passover. And they have to hurry because the Sabbath is going to begin at sundown on Friday. They have to hurry and uh, bury him according to the Jewish law. You can't bury anybody on the Sabbath. So the uh, sweet Joseph of Arimathea offers his tomb and uh, they prepare his body and they, they bury him. And so for some 40 hours, Scott. I mean, we we celebrate, we talk about his death being three days. And it was on three days. It was, uh, as the Jews reckon time, he was dead for a few hours on Friday until sunset. He was dead all day on Saturday from sunset to sunset. And then by sunrise, Sunday morning or early in the morning, he is resurrected, so he's, he's probably only in the spirit world, separated from his body for about 40 hours, um, but three days. And uh, I love the stories that we have and the eyewitnesses, Scott, that we have of the, uh, of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and understanding and having a testimony of the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ is absolutely essential and critical for us as followers of Jesus Christ to have a testimony of and to exercise our faith in and with the eye of faith to be able to see the resurrected, perfected, now Jesus Christ. He was always sinless, He was never perfected until he received his perfected immortal body of not flesh and blood now, but flesh and bone. And I love the idea and the fact that the first person he appears to is a woman. And I love the story, my favorite, of John chapter 20. Of his appearance to Mary, you know the women go go to the grave early on Sunday morning, and uh, the the stone has been rolled away, and they run back and they tell Peter and John. This is all recorded in in uh, the book of John, and uh, John chapter twenty. And they run back and tell Peter and John the disciples. Peter and John run to the tomb, uh, kind of. It's kind of sweet how John records that that he outruns Peter. <laughs> he's he's probably ten years younger than Peter, and he outruns Peter to the tomb, and they get there, and John doesn't go in and t- until Peter gets there, and Peter gets there, and they they look in, and uh, they see the they see the linens folded. That I guess Jesus or an angel I don't know who took the time to fold those linens, burial clothing. Um, Covering, and um, and then they run, and Mary stays behind in the garden. And that amazing story of her thinking she sees the gardener, and um, she says, "You know, if if you know where they've taken him, please tell me." And um, he just says, "Mary," and just hearing her name spoken by her Savior, and it's unclear to us what really their relationship is and how close they may or may not have been, but just hearing her name spoken by Him, she knows that it's Jesus, and she rushes forth, and she holds Him. You know, it's interesting that I love the JST change in that verse you know that in John King James Version it says touch me not but in the JST it says hold me not so apparently she's holding him hugging him, embracing him um, and, she, and he says Mary you gotta let, you gotta let me go I've, I haven't even been to my father yet I haven't you been to my father? So sweet this relationship. Yeah.
0: Well, there's, a, there's, we get a little insight uh, to that as well in in verse eleven of chapter twenty. Here it says, Mary stood without the sepulcher, weeping.
1: Yeah. Well, that's why she she sees this man, and she yeah. she thinks he's the gardener because right, her right. eyes are so filled with tears. Yeah, yeah. she's weeping so hard. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Scott, uh, Mary, the first witness, Mary Magdalene, the first witness of the resurrected Jesus Christ. Then he appears to other women. He appears to the disciples that evening, Sunday evening. He appears to the disciples. Thomas isn't there. So there's 10 disciples, 10 of the 12 apostles are there. Uh, Judas, of course, has committed suicide by now. And Thomas is absent. How would you like to be Thomas? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. FOMO. Late to his meeting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Late to his meeting, or maybe he's running an errand uh, for Peter or someone else, who knows. But wow, to, to later find out from the other disciples, the other ten, that Jesus had appeared to them. And it's so awesome in Luke 24, I love the account in Luke 24, where Jesus asked for something to eat. As I think only because, I don't, th- I, don't, I don't know if immortals have to eat, but I don't think they do. But they, I guess they can. And I think mostly because Jesus wants to, it, this to be evidence of a physical, literal resurrection. He asked them to give him something to eat. And they gave him some fish. And he eats. And I think that's so great uh you know the the to witness of a physical resurrection and then in Luke 2 in our Luke chapter 24 in Luke as well there's this other story of him eating with the breaking bread with the two on the road to Emmaus mm-hmm. he appears to them uh some of them think that it's we, there's one of them named cleopas and others believe that the second one was luke that perhaps the Jesus wanted to appear to two Gentiles, uh, to be an eyewitness to them, and for Luke to be a, a an eyewitness of these events. And Luke actually says that that these this this gospel in the book of Acts are the result of eyewitnesses of these events. And and uh, anyway, I I love that story on the road to Emmaus, he appears to them. And then he appears to 500 brethren at once, Paul tells us, in, in some sort of a priesthood meeting up in Galilee. He appears to uh, several up there with, with the apostles in a, that are presiding in a priesthood meeting. Uh, we have so many eyewitnesses and evidence, Scott, of a physical resurrection in the Bible but I think one of the greatest evidences and witnesses of the physical, literal resurrection is, of course, in Third Nephi chapter 11, right? When he appears, sometime shortly after his resurrection, after he has ascended into heaven, he's with the apostles and his disciples, his followers in Jerusalem for some 40 days, right? That's all recorded in Acts. And then he ascends into heaven, and the angels bear witness that he'll come again. And then he appears in third Nephi chapter 11 and we we know that account and it's great to read some of that on on Easter as well to think about his physical resurrection.
0: Well, and we know that before he came he told those in Jerusalem other sheep I have which are not of this right. fold, right? And these Hopefully. are the sheep and so he you know he's and maybe others that. too. I don't know. Right. I don't know. But I, I do know heard. that these are definitely part of those other sheep
1: and he appears to them and and it's amazing how he introduces himself. In fact, why don't you just read that, Scott, in uh, Third Nephi, I think beginning with about verse 10, uh, third Nephi chapter 11. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Starting with about verse 10 when notice how he introduces himself to to the uh, that- 2500 people gathered at the temple in Bountiful.
0: You know, you said start at verse 10. I'm going I'm going to start a little earlier than that because I think the the this whole setting, Dave, is so beautiful, right? Uh, the third time, so they're hearing this voice. The yeah. people there are hearing this Looking voice. And, and on and this third they time they heard it, they heard it and it said unto them, behold my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, in whom I have glorified my name. Hear ye him.
1: Okay, so the father introduces him. Right. And then and then I'll
0: go to 10 now.
1: Uh, and this is the introduction of well, Jesus I'll, of himself.
0: Yeah, well, I was, I'll start with nine, actually. And it came to pass that he stretched forth his hand and spake unto the people, saying, Now, I just want in your own mind's eye to place yourself in this experience. Behold, I am Jesus Christ, whom the prophets testified should come into the world. And behold, I am the light and the life of the world. I have drunk out of that bitter cup which the Father hath given me and have glorified the Father in taking upon me the sins of the world.
1: There it is again.
0: In the which I have suffered the will of the Father in all things from the beginning.
1: Right, it's it's a, that introduction of himself. Jesus introducing himself, Scott, is doctrinally so critical, important. You know the prophets have testified to me, right? Yeah, okay, you gotta yeah, have prophets. Yeah, yeah. Gotta have prophets, and then he goes on to describe the. I drank the bitter cup. I have fulfilled it, the will of the Father. I have suffered. He says, "The will of the Father." Right? I suffered for all the sins of the world and consequences. Yeah. I I just wow I just think there's doctrinally so much in that, and yeah. of course these these people who are there witnessing this, hearing this, they immediately fall to the ground. Yeah, I think
0: that's so. I think that's really telltale uh, of this experience, right? Let me read it. Twelve, and it and it came to pass that when Jesus had spoken these words, the whole mu- the whole multitude. Fell to the earth, right. You know, I might say to my institute kids, What part of the multitude? The entire multitude, everybody that was
1: there fell to the ground, right? And so sweet, yeah. How Jesus says to them, No, 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 stand, stand up, stand up, come, come, come to me, right? Yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I want yeah. you to stand up, yeah, come and feel,
0: oh. come and yeah. see, yeah,
1: come and know. And, and he invites them to come forth, Yeah. and they do, 2,500 of them, one by one. And he says to them, thrust, thrust, Scott.
0: Thrust your hands into Don't my side. Don't put your hand
1: in. Yeah. Thrust your hand into my side and feel the prints of the nails in my hands and feet that you may see and know and feel. Wow. And they, they all do. They're, they all become witnesses, physical witnesses. Here's the physical evidence of uh, the, the literal resurrection of Jesus Christ, that a man died, Scott, and came back to life and chose, chose in this case to keep the scars of his death or the instrument of his death, the crucifixion,
0: yeah.
1: as evidence of who he was. He, you, you can't fake this, Scott. Thrusting their hand into his side, yeah. feeling the prints of the nails in his hands and feet, he chose to keep those marks, and he'll show us, that's according to Doctrine and Covenants, section 45, when he comes again in the second coming, th- he will show us those marks, and we'll know, this is the Christ. It will be unmistakable that these are the evidence of his death and his resurrection. And after they do this one by one, oh, man, it's so sweet. Yeah. The next verse, right, about uh, what? It, read what they shout.
0: Yeah, and, and when they had all gone forth and witnessed for themselves, they did cry out. We we know we, we, we use this phrase, cry out. I mean, when we hear the word cry out, in yeah. Scripture, I mean, it has it has significant meaning, right? There, there's a reason it's called "cry out." They did cry out with one accord. In other words, they were in unison. They had spirit. unity. They right? all
1: had the spirit,
0: right? And they cried out, saying, "Hosanna! Blessed be the name of the Most High God!" And they did fall down to the feet of at the feet of Jesus and did worship him.
1: Well. I love that, and then I think it's so critical that we understand the difference between hallelujah and hosanna. Yeah, You know, hallelujah is praise him. We praise him, we adore him, but hosanna literally means, this is a cry out, and it literally means, save us, save us, hosanna. The literal resurrection of Jesus Christ, God, And the testimony of the prophets, himself being the greatest witness and teacher, that all because of him will be resurrected. As in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive, 1 Corinthians 15. Um, I know that all of us and all of our loved ones, everyone, good, bad, evil, all of mankind... Uh, man, woman, children, all mankind will be resurrected uh, to their physical bodies, perfected. Uh, and without that physical resurrection, Scott, uh, we would have, again we have read this in second Nephi chapter nine, Without the physical resurrection, we would have become all sons and daughters of a devil if there would have been no resurrection. Uh, There's something about the importance of our physical body and the resurrection that gives us power over Satan and gives us power to continue to grow and progress and to become like our Savior and to become like, ultimately, our heavenly parents. And uh, praise be to God for the plan of redemption that allows us to become like our heavenly parents. Uh, which would not be possible without the the suffering, the, the sinless life, the suffering, the death, and the resurrection of, of Jesus Christ. So, Scott, I'm so grateful. I'm sure there's other things that could be said about the events of Jesus Christ and his atonement, but um, I'm anxious for us. To move on now and in our next podcast begin to talk about the effects and the blessings of the atonement of Jesus Christ in our life.
0: It's important that when he, that we know that when he says, come to me, that we know that he's inviting us to go to the foot of the cross and Gethsemane and, and to witness the resurrection as well. Now that we begin to move into the effects of the atonement of Jesus Christ, this is where the healing takes place. And this is where we get to accept that healing and qualify for that healing so that we can have his spirit always with us. Because no matter what we, no matter what we face in life, if we have his spirit with us everything's okay. Uh, thanks for being with us again. Another great podcast, Dave. Thanks so much for your insights and your wisdom that you share with us uh, in part to us each week. Uh, we're grateful for that. We look forward to being with you again next week. Remember that you have been redeemed through his blood. Until next week, take care. We'll see you then.